Open your Bibles, if you would, Acts chapter 3, that's on page 780, if you're using one of the Bibles we provided, Acts, the book of Acts chapter 3, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, boom, there you find it, the book of Acts. Again, page 780, if you're using one of the Bibles we have provided. So we are looking at 30 acts, or actions of the early church, in response to the gospel, the good news about Jesus, what Jesus has done for us And quick show of hands, how many of you guys have ever before read the book of Acts? Raise your hand. Have you read before the book of Acts? Okay, very good. So if someone who never had read the Acts of the Apostles asks you, okay, so what happens? Top two answers on the board, probably number one, there's lots of sharing, and number two, lots of doing miracles. Probably your top two answers. Acts contains 32 total shares or dialogues about the gospel. 32 in just 28 chapters, making up 25% of this narrative. And these instances of sharing are often accompanied by the church doing something radical or asking God to do something radical. So, the interesting part about this is that these are also likely the two uh, top actions that we Christians are most hesitant to do. Right? The, the responses we prefer to God's free gift of salvation to us in Christ are usually things like sharing a warm meal together, laughing together, showing up for sermons that kind of make us feel good about ourselves, right? A worship set that gives us goosebumps. We like the part where someone ministers to our kids and we meet some good and wholesome people after the service. Those are the things we like in response to the gospel of Jesus. Evangelism, and expecting, even acting on God doing the impossible, pretty low priority. And I raise my hand to that as well. We leave it to pros, the elders, someone who maybe has that gift or is more gifted than I am, more experienced, while we never get around to doing it. But I wonder if one of the reasons we find it so hard is that we never try these things to, these two things together. We, we usually try them only separately. So, for example, we have extended worship nights for the impossible or bizarre stuff to happen, depending on your point of view. And we roll out evangelistic opportunities that are uh, comfortable, that are non-weird, right? That are as comfortable for people as possible who are not yet believers. And yet, in the book of Acts, these two are combined. In fact, the mission carried out by the Holy Spirit through His church in Acts is very much like the mission and lab work in a James Bond movie. Without the womanizing, without the drinking, without the gambling, without the killing. All right, so take all those away, which I grant you is 60% of a James Bond movie. Acts is very much like that. The two most important numbers to James Bond are what? Zeros, there are a couple of those, and a seven. But who knows what the most important letter or letters, important two letters are to James Bond? Anyone know? Most important two letters? Those would be M and Q. Uh, M is the head of the British Secret Intelligence Service, known as MI6, and also 007's boss. Uh, He or she, most recently played by Julie Dench, uh, assigns Bond his mission, like retrieving a hard drive with all the names of MI6 agents throughout the world, and it's been stolen, and Bond, you have to get it back for us. But before heading out into the field to fulfill his mission, Bond first prepares himself at MI6... MI6's research and development lab, with a man named Q. Q is the head of R&D. He's the guy who provides Bond 
with these tricky but timely weapons that are supposed to aid his mission. So Bond doesn't use the bagpipe flamethrower uh, or the car invisibility cloak on all occasions, right? And by the way, that was before Harry Potter's invisibility cloak. I just want to point that out. Bond had it first. He doesn't always use these on every occasion, but they always prove timely, right, for some occasion. The weapons often aid the mission, though they're not always used. They're not always needed. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. These sort of weapons God brings at our arsenal. They're not always used, but when they are used, they're timely, and they're always to aid the mission. The central mission in the book of Acts comes from the mouth of Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 8. You've heard me say it a few times, but I want to repeat it again. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The mission is empowering by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of Jesus, what he has done on our behalf. Then there are the weapons that aid that mission. Expectant prayer for deliverance, right? Sharing prophetic messages, speaking in tongues, praying for the demonic to be removed from a person, giving away property radically, sometimes all of it. As we'll see today, healing. We'll see this at times provide timely aid to the mission of witnessing to Jesus Christ. We're going to read about just such an instance this morning. And the truth is, if you want to live that kind of 007 Christian life, if you are one of those with whom I spoke in the first week we met about this, we started this series, and I challenge you, the few, the humble, the church, who run towards need in response to the gospel, towards that cloud of need and danger in response to the gospel, not away from it in fear. If you want to be one of those types of people, then what you're going to read this morning, we're going to hear this morning, is not atypical, but actually typical of such a Christian life. And I'm so excited to share it with you. Now, what we'll read is going to sound daunting, and it is. But I ask you to hang with me, to trust God, that there are some ways we can make a life of healing and sharing doable with God's help, okay? So let's do this. First of all, we see in this passage, heal. Acts chapter 3. Healing in response to the gospel. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple... He asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. This is God's word. Now, let me share up front, 
while God has used my prayers for healing and I wholeheartedly believe that God heals today, guys, I have never personally witnessed someone being physically healed. Now, I I want to. I I would love to see Jesus glorified, magnified, exalted in this particular way. But I, like probably many of you, haven't seen it. What we see, though, in this first account, what we can learn from this first account of healing in the book of Acts is five applies to today realities about healing. Five applies to today can help us today in praying for someone to be physically healed. So, first of all, we see that healing is normal day. It is normal day stuff. We discovered last week, Peter and John are just doing what they normally would do, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Day by day, they were all attending the temple together. So they were doing this day by day, attending the temple, attending the temple. So when we get to Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John were going up to the temple. They were just doing what they do. It's not a special occasion by any means. It's just part of their daily lives. It's interesting. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, as you go with respect to healing and proclaiming the kingdom of God. In other words, if you're going to pray for the sick and you're going to talk about how Jesus heals, it's an as-you-go mission. In fact, it's important to note that Jesus never stages a healing service. It was always as he went proclaiming the kingdom of God, doing what God said he was sent to do, that he heals as he goes. So for sunrise, I don't think it's right that we necessarily hold a healing service on a particular night or time, but rather to equip you to remain watchful as you do what you do. So what is it that you do? Right? At the breakfast table with a flatmate who slept poorly because of a bad back. That's an opportunity to pray. That's a normal day kind of thing. In the car with a child who's on his way to the doctor because they're sick with flu-like symptoms and nothing has worked. You know what? It's right that you're going to the doctor. It's right. It would be cruel of you to just say, well, we'll just pray for you and never treat you. It's right that you go to the doctor. But pray as you go. Pray for your child. Pray on the way, right? For the coworkers confessed to you they have to go back to Miami for more tests for what they have. Pray. These are opportunities. Eating, driving, being at work. All of these are places and venues to pray for the sick. He- healing opportunities thus require a, a tremendous sense of watchfulness, especially the evangelistic sort where people aren't likely to come to you and say, please pray for me. They are unbelievers, so they are unlikely. You have to take the initiative. By the way, community groups, you knew there was going to be a community group plug somewhere today, right? You knew it was going to happen. Community groups provide, seriously, an ideal laboratory to start watching for healing opportunities with a as-you-go and safe place, right? It's a weekly as-you-go and safe place where you can experiment with lab work to make it field-ready, if you would. So firstly, it's normal day kind of stuff. Number two, healing is needed. This was a lame man from birth, we read in verse 2. In a couple minutes, we're going to look at verse 16, where Peter explains that this man has, quote-unquote, perfect health. Holocloria, I want to say this a few times, holocloria, you can hear it in the name, is most fully translated, whole well-being. Not just perfectly healed, but a whole well-being. You hear it there? Whole 
lokaloria is the Greek word. Wholeness to a person's entire being, their relationships, their ways of life. That is what God wishes to restore in us. So this 40-plus-year-old man who could not walk from the time he was born, but he was fed, he was raised, he was brought up into adulthood because he too was made in God's image. What's interesting is this is very unlike other societies at this time, all of which advocated discarding or even just flat-out killing deformed babies leaving them to die by the elements or other such means, as Socrates first advocated. Not many people know that. As the Spartans practiced, as the Romans actually had in their law about deformed children. Their law. But because the society worshipped God, the God who said, you are made in my image, they raised this man into full adulthood. And he is a parable for all of us, that we are all made in God's image yet less than whole from birth. That's all of us, right? You know, you may be living the good life otherwise, but maybe there's some secret sin in your life that no one knows about. You know that you're less than whole. Maybe you're praised in your workplace, but you can't live up to the expectations your, your father once had for you, and you still hold it for yourself to this day. So for every piece of honor, there's shame, For every inch of growth, there seems to be a setback. For every moment of steadfastness, there seems to be a moment of failure and of giving up. So we are constantly living in this tension of seeing and sensing that we have value, but also coming up short. Because healing is needed. Nothing less than healing. Whether it's today or eternity. Healing is needed. Jesus died and was raised to start this project of making us whole again. So physical healing is like, it's like a hint of the wholeness to come for all who choose Christ. Healing acts as that little wink or whisper in someone's ear after an astonishing feat. It's like them saying, yeah, you think that's something? Watch this. I remember when I was a kid, I loved basketball. I still do tremendously. Here's how much I love basketball. When I was in middle school, uh, they asked me to operate the scoreboard for all the high school games, all right, for our, our team. I was still just like a fifth grader, and I volunteered to do all of that. I was like, that'd be awesome, be great. And we had this uh, women's player on the varsity team who ended up going to Stanford University and playing in the WNBA. She was amazing. Her name was Christy. And I remember one time she, she did this little, like, you know, took the ball, did this little windmill thing, and reversed while getting fouled, and put the ball up through the hoop. And I was like, Amazed, and she walked right by the scoreboard like Michael Jordan style. She winked at me, and he said, "You think that's something? Watch the next play." I was like, "Oh, please, yeah, I want, I want to see that, right?" That's like healing. It, it is. It is the. It is the reverse, right? The reverse windmill, amazing thing that God wants to do. But if you think that's something, wait till you're resurrected from the dead. Healing is just a hint of that. So healing is needed. Number three, we see that healing differentiates. Cayman's Hospice Care, the Extended After School Program, Cayman's Ark, Cayman's Rotary, Cayman Islands Red Cross, Hearts Through Hands, Meals on Wheels, NCVO, all practically help people improve their lives. Our church has been involved with almost half of these, and some are you involved with some of these. And they're great. What differentiates the church from these? If the church is called to actually help people practically, what differentiates the church? Consider those people in our story who, who every day carried uh, 
or you know, donated to this, you know, this, this lame man from birth. They put him in an advantageous position for worshipers to walk by him and say, oh, I've just worshiped God. I should probably give. So they helped him. They, along with these well-meaning worshipers who donated, were this man's charity. They were his charity. What then could Peter and John do? How, 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 what, what could they do that's different? They could pray. Specifically, they could pray for healing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as they do in verses 6 and 7. Every other religion, guys, promises consolation for what you've lost. Maybe peace promises peace, promises uh, detachment from the world, promises some type of heaven or nirvana. So they promise consolation for what you have lost in this life. But the resurrection, and only the resurrection, promises restoration for what you've lost. Everything you've lost in this life, every way you fall short in in your body and on this earth will be restored. Because God's not going to give you this brand new body. He's going to raise your physical body from death if you trust Jesus, and he's going to glorify it. He's going to take this world full of sin and heartache, and heaven is going to come down to it and bring glory to it. Not get rid of it, but restore it. That's what the resurrection promises. And healing offers a taste of that. It offers a taste of that which differentiates Jesus from everyone and everything else, his bodily resurrection. Healing differentiates the God we worship. Healing is also risky. Number four, healing is risky. What does Peter have? Not silver and gold, right? He makes that pretty clear. He opens his pockets. He's like, uh-uh. I don't have it. He establishes this. But what he has is Jesus. And in that moment where he's about to share what he has, he's about to put Jesus on the line as he talks to this man, as he prays for this man, right? How many times in your life have you prayed small in order to cover for God? Right? Because you didn't want to pray too big lest God lets you down. Or worse, you give people the wrong impression or a bad impression of God. And so you just kind of kept the prayer manageable. Small, if you will, Lord. We know you may not heal. You, know, you, you do what you want. But, you know, when it comes down to it, the risk, healing is risky, but the risk we take is on the word of God. When there is sickness, the Bible commands, pray for one another Pray for one another that you might be healed. It's a command. Are you going to take the Lord at his word? John Wimber was a former Hollywood music producer. The Righteous Brothers, you ever heard of them? Produced for them? Yeah, I know there's like, because of our age demographic, like 10 people, maybe five, who've heard of The Righteous Brothers. It's okay. He was a former Hollywood music producer who um, turned to a pastor after he trusted Jesus. He founded the Vineyard Movement. And I was uh, a pastor in the Vineyard Church for a number of years and got to learn about something from John called power evangelism. John said that he determined long ago that he was willing to endure the 99 possible, even probable no's for the one yes when asking God to heal. In other words, he wasn't naive about it. He recognized he could pray, he could pray, and God does not always heal. And he asked the question, are you willing to endure 99 no's? That always stuck with me. And I hope it sticks with you. Are you, are you willing to endure 99 no's, 99 potentially confused, even disappointed people for the one glorious yes? 
Because if not, don't expect this to become your way of life. You won't last. God wants people who are going to take him at his word and do it and put it into practice. He honors that. He loves that. He tests us at that to grow our trust in him. So number four, healing is risky. There's no doubt about it. But number five, healing demands faith. How do you read Peter's tome when he prays for healing? How do you read it? Like when he prays, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. How do you imagine him saying this as that plays out in your mind's eye? There's a tendency to hear it in our mind's eyes. I've heard it in pop culture, specifically on ESPN broadcasts where LeBron James blocks someone's shot and they say, the Lord says you've got to rise up. And that is directly taken here from Acts chapter 3. People say it loudly and boldly, right? And that's how we think of it here, loudly, boldly, full of faith. By the way, we're not told. And also, I should say, there's no exclamation point in New Testament Greek, right? You see it here, but we're not told that. What I do know is this, that Peter goes on to credit Jesus to the point where he doesn't even specify whose faith is being exercised. Look at verse 16. In his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is in through Jesus has given this man perfect health, again, that, that whole health in the presence of you all. Words, commentators acknowledge it's kind of a convoluted sentence. Peter says, well, it's all Jesus. And then he kind of stops himself, right? And you see that little dash there. As if to say, but at the same time, it's all Jesus, but faith matters. It doesn't really matter whose faith. It doesn't matter how much faith or how bold the faith, but that faith is present. And it's in Jesus. That's what matters. Peter's point, I think, is this. The object of our faith matters far more than its quantity or quality. The object of our faith, who is Jesus, matters more than the the quantity of it, the quality of it, the boldness of it. Remember the mustard seed and compare that to a resurrected Savior. That's all he asks. Almost just saying it. Even if you're a little embarrassed, a little little timid, a little, man, God, I, I, I... I do believe, and I'm going to ask this. It's that kind. They felt with even a little doubt still lingering on in your heart. It's a mustard seed. Now, I'm going to synthesize what we've learned in a way that I hope helps those of us with mustard seed size face actually do this. So the premise is this. People need healing, and God seeks to differentiate himself from every other cure in this world. The steps are this, stay watchful on normal days, risk asking someone permission, and then pray with simple faith for healing. Let me say that again. Stay watchful on normal days, risk asking permission, pray with simple faith for healing. I came across this uh, documentary uh, that two separate friends sent me. You ever have someone send you something and then a second person sends it? And then you kind of know, like, I probably should take a look at this. I admit, sometimes I flag an email being like, yeah, I'll look at that later. And I did. I flagged this email for like two months. I'm like, I'll look at that later. I'll look at that later. Someone else sent me the same link. Huh. So I did. It was put together, this documentary, by a non-denominational ministry called Coaching Saints. You can look this up later, by the way. Coaching Saints, if you want to write that down. Specifically, uh, Brian Blunt is the guy's name. Brian took the streets of Oklahoma City in the United States. Uh, and he just prayed for like 15 to 25 people. He prayed as he went, on just normally, people walking through their normal lives. And God didn't 
sort of raise someone from the dead. He didn't make someone glow, right, during these moments. But he and his friend just took footage with their smartphone after praying for things like arthritis, like back pain, asthma, and such, to train other Christians just simply how to do this. He takes actually steps very similar to what I just went through with us. But after he has a simple prayer, his last step in this process of praying for someone is to explain. In fact, he insists that you explain what has just happened. I want you to watch a brief example of how he starts to not, not only praise for someone, but then he explains afterwards what has just happened. Let's watch. So your name is Jordine? Yes. And Jordine, you have been in some kind of condition or pain for how long? Three or four years. What's the condition that you have? That's arthritis in my knees. Arthritis in your knees, and I see you have a cane? Yes. And on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, what was your pain level? Between 7 and 8. 7 and 8. And uh, we prayed for you, and what happened? It, not tingly, but it was like, you know, warm. Uh-huh. Warm in, in my knees. And then did the and, pain, what, did the pain start to dissipate? Yeah, uh... When we prayed again, when you we prayed again, and then it, you know, just warm. Uh huh. And when I walk with a cane, I'm usually, you know, yeah. limping to the to the right. And I've never walked straight for a long, long time. And so, how long has it been that you've walked without a cane? Well, since I, the arthritis started, about three, four years. It's about around that. You want to show me what you can do now without the cane? Yeah, well, you can just walk to me. Oh. <laughs> so you have not been able to do that for how long? Like I said, about three or four years. Three or four years without a cane. Yeah, that's when it started hurting. And you always use walk I, to the... I have walked to Yeah. You know, that, this is just the amazing love of God for you. That he loves you so much. And the same thing that he did with your knees, he wants to do with your heart and your whole life. Because oh, Jesus loves us so much. That. Isn't that awesome? He just does this very normally. He doesn't make a big spectacle of it. Just kind of goes around, does this. I had two very reputable people send this to me. And that's only a tidbit, by the way, of his, I hope you're that explaining at the end that he wants to not only heal your body, but your heart and your life as well. And by the way, Brian not only explains how healing highlights Jesus, but he usually often asks people to clarify back to him what has just happened to them. So that he wants to give the impression, which is the reality, that he doesn't just, it's not about his gift or his this unique ability or some kind of hocus pocus that has just happened in their lives, but it's about Jesus. It's not about the quality of his prayer or the amount of faith he has. It's about Jesus. He doesn't pray necessarily, necessarily speaking in tongues or anything like that. He just prays very simply for a person. Back to our Bibles. I want to, let's read again the descriptive response of the formerly lame man in the crowd. Read with me in verses 8 through 11. So here's what happens. This man, like we saw with this woman on the screen, is healed. He took him by the right hand, Peter did, and raised him up. Immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, I always imagine this as like he has their arm around Peter and John and they're smiling and rejoicing together. That's how I see it. But 
all the people ran together to them, and the portico called Solomon's astounded. Now, it would have been easy, very easy at this point, for Peter and John to start a testimony service, right? They start with this, this man who's been healed. Share a little about your childhood, how you grew up, what this healing has done for you, for your family. It would have been maybe tempting for Peter to carry on with the crowd, maybe ask about more infirmities and hold a healing service, or, or call his worship leader forward, lead in three or four more songs, to, you know, usher the Spirit in to see more happen. It would have been tempting for Peter to do any of these things, but the original James Bond himself, Peter, never lost sight of the mission to bear witness about Jesus. See, it's not tricks It's not spiritual manipulation. It's a simple prayer. And it's bearing witness about Jesus. Let's read in verses 12 through 26. And then I'm just going to make a few observations for time's sake. Just a few observations on the shares that follow Peter's prayer. When Peter saw it, as he noticed their response, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murderer to be granted to you instead. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is in through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as the, your rulers. But God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and they may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. It shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who has spoken from Samuel and those who came after him, also proclaimed these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now, let's talk about the share that follows the prayer. You're going to hear a lot of gospel shares in the book of Acts, 32 total. What likely stands out about this one is that Peter gets progressively nicer as he shares. You notice this? Let's just be real. It would be understandable if that was your first impression. First, Peter says, you killed him. All right? You you asked for a murderer instead on top of that? That's pretty bad. Then he goes on to basically say, yeah, you were responsible, but you really didn't know what you were doing, and neither did others. So I get it. And finally, he ends addressing them by saying, God values you. He loves you. You're part of his covenant. He has a great plan to help you change your life. Peter, and just in one sitting, gives us three different doses of the gospel. And so I think three legitimate ways to launch from prayer to share. It's not enough that we pray for someone for healing. We need to also share with them. Now, more power to you, if you like, with Peter 
to share these all at once, but I want to suggest to use each as fits the occasion. So first, we have the straight shoot and share. Verses 14 through 15. Read that with me again. You deny the holy rights when you ask for a murderer. You killed the author of life who God raised from death. The straight shooting share. I think this is often good for addicts, those who are seriously ill as well. Those who are at the, the desperate end of the spectrum, who are either blinded to the need to be rescued or are dealing with their own mortality and desperately need rescuing at all costs. These are usually family members or longtime friends who need a hard word. Their, their addiction may not, may or may not be physical, right? It may be, may be drugs, it may be alcohol, it may be sexual addiction, or it may be gambling, it may be just greed, or maybe it's pornography. Either way, we can pray for their healing. We visit them. We visit the sick when they're confined to what might be their final bed, right? And we pray for them. In such cases, it might be best to move from Prayer to the straight shooting prayer. Straight shooting share, sorry. To encourage them to take responsibility for your life because there is a God who has taken responsibility for yours. You've chosen rebellion over God's way, but there's still time to have your life raised from death. We also see a number two here, a sympathetic share, don't we? In verse 17. Look at that with me. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. If anyone could say, by the way, I know that you acted in ignorance, it was Peter. Remember Peter, who thrice denied Jesus, once to a teenage girl, came up and said, do you know this guy? Uh, no. <laughs> right? There are things he didn't recognize yet about Jesus. There, he was still blind. He didn't know Jesus was going to rise from the dead. He didn't understand fully. What did Jesus do to him? He patiently restored him. He gently helped him recover and restored him back to fellowship with him. For those who seem to grasp their faults and weakness, this is the great this approach that, that Peter takes. Brothers, I've been there. Others you know have too. For those of the people who, who already seem to get that they have faults and weakness, and maybe they're even drowning in them, in guilt and in shame, it can be appropriate to share from your own life and struggles about sin while still making the point that if you turn from your sins to Jesus, times of refreshing can come. Your sins will be blotted out. Finally, sometimes after praying for someone, it's it's appropriate to give them the affirmative share. So we see in verses 25 and 26, you're the sons of the prophets and, and the covenant. You're the offspring through whom the whole world is going to be blessed. God sent Jesus to you first to bless you, to turn every one of you from your wickedness. The affirmative share is good for people from church backgrounds who think of the Christian God in terms of guilt, shame, obligation, tradition, or feeling morally superior to others. A lot of people think of the Christian God that way because that's what they see oftentimes in his church. Pray for them and affirm that this Jesus who heals them also loves them, wants to be with them, cares for them, values them, and can bless them, grace them with the gift of turning away from living for self. That's the approach Katie and I took, actually, this last Friday evening. I'm going to close with our particular non-hyped, normal night, still not too sure of the results attempt at power evangelism from just two nights ago. I'm trying to practice what I preach, guys. We had some very close, not yet Christian friends whom we love dearly over with their, their three kids, 
I got to smoke some salmon on the char grill. Oh, great stuff. You know, we got to enjoy a great conversation, and we, at the end of our meal, got to release the kids to play Super Smash Bros. on the Wii. We uh, tuned out the children for an adult conversation, and while we were talking, the woman actually shared how she had been experiencing, now I've got this pain on my right side from my hip going down the side of my leg all the way to my toes. It's painful. It's kind of numb. I don't know, actually know what's wrong. And we kept talking, and he shared that actually I, I've got a pain in my, my hip that's been bothering me for a while. So, having already prayed prior to the meal, we asked him if we might pray for them again. Now, did it take them by surprise? Yeah, probably. Did they worry that I might touch them and start trembling and, you know, electricity would come through them? Uh, I hope not. I hope not. Actually, they were pretty receptive to it. And here's how I prayed. I prayed something like this. Lord Jesus, we, we believe you not only love us enough to die for us, but you were raised from death. And since that's true, we know you still love to show your power over death and decay. So, so please heal our friend's side. Repair any nerve endings. Restore you know, any, the, the tendons and the sinews to help all the way down to her toes. And please heal our, heal our friend's hip. It might become whole again. We know you love our friends more than even we do. We believe you have a great plan for their lives. Here comes the affirmation. We want you to do great. We know you're going to do great things to them. We trust you for that. So please show your healing power in Jesus' name. Amen. And we were done. They thanked us. We moved on with our conversation. Katie and I followed a little bit with sharing how Jesus loves to show hints today of his resurrection power over death. Now, did I miss a step in praying? I don't know, probably. <laughs> Was it sufficiently sensitive to the Holy Spirit? I don't know. All I know is we watched. We took a risk. We asked for healing from a God who loves and wants to make broken lives whole again. Let's pray. God, I pray for for all of us here that we would be encouraged to step out. We see this example here in Acts of a way that you wanted to highlight the mission, for a weapon that could, could aid the, the ongoing transformative mission of Jesus. You gave us the opportunity to pray for healing and see it happen. For a lot of us, that's kind of crazy. But we see here, even in Acts 3, that it wasn't, wasn't totally bizarre out of left field. It's just a simple taking God at his word and believing that this God really did raise Jesus from the dead, he can still do this today. So please help us, God, step out for some prayer and cheer this week. Help us be watchful as we go. Ask someone for permission and then just pray for them. We want to see what you do. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.